This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers. And 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. On this week's edition of Everything in Life is Optics, Damian Lillard will have an interview or he'll be on a podcast. I don't really know the exact source, but nonetheless, he'll be on tape saying that Steph Curry is realizing that things are going to be a bit difficult this year, be a bit more difficult than the last four or five years, and a lot of the looks aren't going to be as quality. And less than 24 hours later, Steph Curry will drop a career-high 62 points on his squad and, per usual, turn the Portland Trailblazers into a pack. Superstars or no superstars. Welcome to episode 7, everybody, where Steph Curry has sent the souls of all the NBA Twitter detractors straight to heaven. At least for this game, right? At least for this week, because, man, this was timely, bro. This was timely. This career-high 62 points. I don't remember exactly how many three-pointers, but, excuse me. The manner in which the 62 points came were, it was quite violent, I should say, uh, especially there at the end, he was, uh, Curry, as in he, or he as in Curry, he, he was shooting shots he didn't even need to take anymore, he was clearly chasing that record at that point, and yeah, we, we'll dive into Curry and the Warriors and everything that led up to this performance this week, because the NBA often unfolds like a movie, it unfolds like a story, and that's exactly what happened this week, uh, whether Curry did this on purpose or not, well, Actually, a quote just came out from his interview. Yeah, this was this was 100% intentional. This was intentional violence. Um, yeah, before we get to the NBA part, oh, what did you miss this week? Because I always do the content part at the beginning of the show. Uh, did a couple of videos on the main channel. One for Jokic, passing breakdown, John Wall breakdown. Did one of my favorite streams. Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. For, I totally forgot that part. The holidays... Man, the holidays, I, I said last podcast, didn't really feel like the holidays, so they, they came and went, and I forgot we're sitting here in a whole new year, and I haven't done a podcast. This is the first podcast of the year. Yeah, first podcast of the year, seventh on this channel. So, we've been doing this for seven weeks. We've been here seven weeks already. That's crazy, bro, in the snap of a finger. This is why if you are going to make a change in life, you just do it, because time just... That, that, that's me. I don't know if the mic picked that up. That's me trying to snap. Fun fact, I actually can't snap. Um... Yeah, uh, yeah, so Happy New Year. We did the first stream of the year, which was a sim, NCAA sim on PS5, because, hey, 2K fixed their scenarios. So you can download people's scenarios now, and you can actually use them without them freezing. So, as we found back in like mid-December, whenever we tried one of those one of those scenarios and we couldn't do it, the stream got turned into a uh, big disappointment, really. I was disappointed because I was looking forward to having some fun with that one roster. I'll probably make that up. But yeah, that's on Twitch as well. A lot of fun. People lost a lot of channel points betting on <laughs> 2K's uh, recreation of college teams. So, hella fun with that. 
I did a Play Now Online video on this channel. I think I only did one, but I have a couple more in the pipeline. And I actually have two done already, so you can expect those here this week. Oh yeah, one the the last thing that happened that was different is I discovered Twitch reruns. I don't know how long they've been sitting there in my little panel, but apparently I can either rerun old streams or I can upload streams like VODs or cuts of VODs because I kept basically all my streams in the last year since I started. And so I tested it out by rerunning Legends League Day 1. If y'all have been watching me long enough, if you've been keeping up long enough that you know about Legends League, I did in fact do that uh, just to test it out, just to see what it was like because I really didn't know. I saw somebody else rerunning. That's what taught. That's what got me curious. And so that'll be one of the, it, it, when you come to stream, I'll talk about it, but that'll be one of the channel point rewards added now is that uh, I think probably for, for about 10,000 channel points, I believe you'll be, you'll be able to pick what the next rerun is. I'm not going to overuse them. I'm only going to use them when on days where I'm not streaming and where I also don't have any videos planned, which is kind of rare, but those days do happen. So when those do happen, hey, there'll still be content. I will have a rerun and basically it's kind of like a live stream, but it's kind it's pretty much like a TV show, basically. And I'm going to try to I'm, I'm going to try to limit the options to stuff that's not on the channel. So that way it'll actually be worth your time to come see it. So, yeah, there we go. Go ahead and wrap up the content section, because we've got plenty of NBA content to talk about this week. Um, oh, yeah. One one last thing in the content, actually. Um, the, the PC build is done. Everything, well, kind of worked out. I never fixed the drive problem. Nobody ever reached out and knew how to fix that. People did try, though. It, either way, I got I got it up and running, and it is beautiful. It's going lightning fast. And because of that, by the time this podcast dropped, there should be some of the 2003 season uploaded to VOD 2K. Because part of the new PC build was a new processor. One of the newer ones that are out goes very fast, and it, it is processing i guess you could say no it's it's helping me render out videos way faster like for the vod 2k part of the reason i don't like doing it is it ties up my computer for like an hour just for one video and it's doing that same task now in 15 minutes it's fucking insane so yeah there should be some vods up and i, I could get the rest of this done really quick and quickly now i think i rendered almost the entire 03 season in the same amount of time that it would have taken me to render maybe one piece of it so yeah, that's gorgeous. Don't don't cheap your way out on PC builds if you can afford to cuz you get what you pay for and this has been awesome. All right, let me take a sip of water cuz my throat is fucked up. As it is so often <clears throat> when I'm trying to speak at the beginning of these podcasts, this podcast is on Spotify and iTunes, a link to listen there if you don't like to listen to it on YouTube. It's in the comment section and description. I see a good amount of people like that, so that's just a reminder for you. All right, into this NBA week, what has happened? Well, last podcast was seven days ago. We're already on the fourth of this year. This is basically when everybody's starting the year. I noticed that like nobody's been doing any type of business for the first four days of the year. I guess everyone waits till that Monday. People are celebrating, doing whatever they're doing. Well, the NBA didn't take any time off. NBA did not take any time off, as <laughs> did the people. Nobody was taking time off slandering Steph Curry. Because if you were paying attention to the Warriors, and I talked about it a little bit in last podcast, I made a video about the narratives that were going to happen about Steph Curry, and hey, guess what? The narratives happened about Steph Curry. They got kind of a, not a self-fulfilling prophecy there, but it wasn't even a prophecy. It was just a pretty obvious thing that was going to happen. <laughs> when I made that video, probably like a week and a half ago, 
it was based off of the, the what we say every week. Everything in life is optics. And I was looking at it as simple as Steph Curry at point A once had great teammates. And at point B, where he is now, he doesn't have great teammates. And then you add the third part onto that is he doesn't perform great anymore without said teammates. And all of a sudden, you got your narratives. That's basically what that whole video was. And you knew it was coming. And they did come. Pause. And... They, they came hard. Pause again. Yeah, you even had Channing Fry, right? Channing Fry is into that whole analyst thing these days. And I hadn't even seen his quote, but apparently he was talking about how important this season would be for stuff. I think the headline was a bit clickbaity because I couldn't actually find the quote that they advertise in the headline. So the headline that I saw said Channing Fry says Steph Curry needs to win this season to solidify his legacy. Now, I look because I didn't want to say that on the podcast. I don't want to come on the podcast and not or and didn't quote that. And then that's not even what he said. And I read through the article. Uh, maybe they omitted it, but I didn't see that exact quote. But yeah, being a part of that Cavaliers team that was part of that 3-1 comeback and being a, a LeBron guy, he absolutely did kind of give off the tone. And he was trying to be as nice as he could about it. He was trying to if you go and read the article, maybe I'll link it. I probably won't. I always send a link shit. I never do. You can find it very easily by Googling stuff. Shannon Fry talks about Steph Curry. It'll come right up. And he was in the nicest way possible. He was trying to say that Steph Curry has played with great teammates for his whole career, basically. And this one year where he doesn't have great teammates, he can't afford to fail or else it's, he's going to look funny in the light. That's a summary of what Channing Fry was saying. And like I said, people have been waiting for this moment, right? People have been waiting for this moment. Damian Lillard, even in his quote. So Lillard's quote was nothing malicious at all. He was saying kind of what I said a little bit in the breakdown, because in the narratives, I was talking about Steph Curry and specifically where the struggles were coming from. And part of it was uh, the 62 point game. Obviously, they let Curry off the hook. They, he was way more aggressive. And there were some things that went better. There There were some elements there that they could use going forward, because depending on wing shooters right now, it's, just, it's not a great game plan if you're trying to make the playoffs in the Western Conference. Uh, but still, though, even in this game, the looks were pretty difficult. They were constantly following him or hounding him up the floor. To the point they had to have Wiggins take the ball up sometimes or Draymond because he's back now. So that helps. And that definitely helps because if you notice even little small things like I saw one three pointer Curry missed. But Draymond Green, it was kind of like a, a give and go type play. And it was something that you probably won't see as much with him and other teammates. But because him and Green have that chemistry, those are if you can pick up a few extra points like that, anything helps compared to what we saw at the beginning of the season. Anyways, yeah, Lillard was just saying that. The looks aren't as easy and, you know, he kind of sees what it's he sees what it's like now. And it's not the same thing as it was the last four or five years. And we know the Blazers have been salty about the Warriors. OK, and again, Lillard had no ill intent there because his assessment really wasn't wrong. But also we always heard Lillard's comments about people ducking the work and all these superstars teaming up. Come on now. Who was the biggest example of that while he was saying these things? It was the Warriors. CJ McCollum was mad as hell when DeMarcus Cousins went to the Blazers. And we, we know because of the stuff Lillard is made of, he hasn't liked what's going on there that whole time. And so that quote comes out and this ties into a deeper story, right? Because last year or not even last year. Fuck, that was. Yeah, no, it was last year now. Yeah, last year in the bubble. Damn, it feels so weird to say that. That went that quickly, huh? Yeah, last year in the bubble, Damian Lillard was there and he was playing some of the best basketball of his career. We, Steph Curry wasn't there. And so people, again, 
optics and also what have you done for me lately people started to forget all of a sudden it was like uh, it was a thing of oh well what makes what makes curry so special look at this guy we have here he's doing a lot of the same stuff right and it became a whole thing about damian lillard versus steph curry and that that's that it's kind of a bit of a backstory there and so (laughs) the warriors get blown out the other night and it's one of the few times we've seen curry get up against lillard and the blazers without the uh as they call it, as Channing Fry called it, the three amigos. Because that's one thing Channing Fry said in his his little excerpt is that Steph Curry, for the last five or six years, had the three amigos. So being a part of the three amigos as him, Draymond, and Clay Thompson. I mean, he compared it to LeBron. He contrasted it to LeBron, where he said the long he, LeBron never had a teammate like that for as long as that. So he said. LeBron never had a teammate like that past four years, and that was James Jones. And I thought that was kind of useless to bring up because after his first Cavaliers stint, it was Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Sure, he's, he, as a matter of fact, 2011, 2012, 2013, okay, yeah, he played with them for four years. And then right after them, it was Kyrie and Kevin Love. And then for that one year, they were out in the finals, but then it was still Kyrie and Kevin Love. And then, yeah, so that, I, I thought that was useless to bring up. Whatever, though. He's a Braun guy. I get it. Anyways, yeah, back to the, the whole Curry and Lillard thing. <laughs> and so, yeah, Curry comes out. And the, the whole the interesting thing is, right, so this 62 points and Curry just completely folding the Blazers. It's funny. It's like regardless of if Curry's had a super team or not, it's Curry's had dominance over this Blazers team for quite a while now. And so, yeah, when they had Kevin Durant, the Blazers have never really stood a good chance against them because even when Curry was out in 2016, I think the series was like 2-2, and then Curry came back, and that series ended. And then you had the KD years. Then you go to, was that 2019? Yeah, 2019, where, and I'm sorry if I keep hitting the mic. I'm, I'm working. I'm actually on my counter. I actually like recording up here now, so I might keep touching the mic. I'm really going to try to stop if I am. My bad. That's the interference you hear, if it is. Um, yeah, and 2019, Kevin Durant gets hurt, so he doesn't even play in the Blazers series. And I don't think anybody thought the the Blazers were going to win. Nobody seriously thought they were going to win. Maybe somebody thought there was a chance because now the Warriors have to play a whole series with a thinned out roster that was made for KD to be there. And now he's not there. So it was just though, that original three. And once again, Steph Curry, and the Bla- Steph Curry and the Warriors folded them. And so then you get here and they, they get they get one look on them. They, they get one look uh, a couple of days ago. And then Curry comes back with the career high after those quotes come out. But those quotes come out simultaneously with all the hate and all the questioning that's been going on on NBA Twitter. And it's funny, right? Because you you do at one at, on one point you do say, "Oh, it's just Twitter and it's not the real world." And so, what do players even see this? But I even heard the Warriors broadcasters referencing things from NBA Twitter. The uh, or maybe I, yeah, it was it the Warriors broadcasters on NBA TV. Whoever was on that broadcast was talking about how it was nonsense that Curry's legacy was supposedly on the line in the regular season. Those are all narratives that come from this fucking bird app, and all the slander that's happened over the last few days. It's just funny that at the same time as all that happens, this happens. This performance happens, and then after the game, he did I did I write that quote down or did I just like it? I don't even. Uh, I hope I wrote that down. 
Damn, I didn't. It was something along the lines of uh, somebody asked Curry if he had took all this slander to heart or something like that. And Curry Curry referenced the MJ documentary. The, I, t- I took that personally. And so, yeah, these players hear these things. They do, unless it's Kawhi Leonard, <laughs> who doesn't use telephones or telephones, who doesn't use smartphones and whatnot, I guess. Yeah, these, these players hear these things. They see these things. And yeah, I guess it... it it's a certain amount of pride that goes into being a pro athlete and one of the, in this case, the greatest shooter of all time. Easily the greatest shooter of all time. I think there should be no questions about that because that, that was one thing that was happening when we were going back to the bubble was people were like, oh, look at Damian Lillard doing logo shots. This is logo, I said. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Logo shots. Isn't this what we see from Curry? That's cool. I Look, I, I really do love Lillard, by the way. If you don't know, I always talk about how I, I loved Lillard from the day he walked into the league. I took notice from his first performance against the Lakers. And I also love how a much of a stand-up guy he is because he there was a video that got tweeted tonight of him at the end of the game with Curry. And they were talking, they were saying something, covering their mouth, so we can't, we're never going to know what happened. Unless there's a book many years later or they do an interview, we're never going to know what was actually said. But Lillard retweeted it and said, hey, if you get if you if you can dish it, you got to be able to take it. And so while he didn't have any ill intent in saying what he said, probably in the the little podcast excerpt, it it was also a bit of a test still. I think Curry being the, the star that he is maybe took that as a little bit of a test. And clearly at the end of the game, again, this guy started chucking shots he did not have to take to get to 60 points, and he did it. So he was like, look, just in case you niggas forgot, I'm the greatest shooter of all time. I was unanimous MVP once. Things are different now, right? Things are different. I, we got two wing shooters out here who are not actually shooters. Um, the IQ on this team is a little bit lower, but I'm, I'm still Steph Curry. I'm still Curry. And I would venture to think he probably, obviously it's a goal of his to make the playoffs this year, but... I know in the the way that people are, or in the way that he heard people going after him in his first six games of the season, seven games of the season, I think this might have been game number seven, and the way that people were going after it, I know making the playoffs without Klay Thompson is probably something that, I think that's probably on his list. They don't have championship aspirations without him this year, obviously. This is not a championship team, but as I predicted, I had them seventh in the Western Conference at the... All right, let, let me just stop real quick. Adjust the mic in front of my mouth so I can stop touching it. Because this is actually starting to piss me off. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had them um, I had them seventh. I had them seventh overall. And they came out at the beginning of the season. That was looking shaky as hell. But that's it. with what they have, I still think. Like, I think they can be better than what they've been performing through this season so far. And specifically, you see Curry go out for 62 tonight, and you see a lot of the plays was him being as aggressive as Steph can be. So it wasn't just pass the ball and run away and maybe don't get it back that possession or let Andrew Wiggins do some crazy shit. Like, Steph was really after it. And to make the playoffs in the Western Conference, he's probably going to have to be after it to the level of, like, an 06 Kobe this year because... The team still is not that good. The team still is not that good. Once you see it on the floor, it's a bit, I'm going to be honest with you. I think roster-wise, it's not as good as even I thought before the season. Um, like Clay, Clay's absence makes that much of a difference. But having Dre back, thank God, he's not going to miss 
too many games because they said ankle and I was like first it was COVID then it was ankle and I'm like damn chief like first month of the season because that can put you out right there's some injuries we're going to talk about later and injuries to a important player in the Western Conference for any short amount of time can put you out I was even thinking about that as Curry was scoring today because they were up 50 my bad Curry had 50 points and I think they were only up probably like nine points and the Blazers were still trying to come back and win the game and I was thinking to myself like man one ankle turn from Curry one tweak one strain or sprain and the Warriors are out of this shit <laughs> they don't have a chance without this guy um but yeah in Curry's offense they they need to unchain him a little bit teams are going to be after him but I'm starting to see a little bit better understanding on the floor from some of the Warriors guys like when Steph relocates very basic action when Steph relocates to the corner sometimes the spacing is off and somebody's there and they set him with they set the uh, defender that's trying to recover they set a screen on him and curry gets open threes in the corner that way i'm seeing some things get better obviously with draymond directing traffic out there somebody said he was gonna yell at andrew wiggins until he becomes a good player <laughs> i saw that tweet so it helps to have the vocal leader out there and so long story short the playoff hopes are not uh, they're not done for the warriors yet and it's a beginning it's a beginning of the season there's a lot of reactionary takes at the beginning if you notice when i'm talking uh, about whatever's going on if i make a video about it i lo- i use a lot of the can that's what i say i say can be or maybe because i fully acknowledge fam it's the first like two weeks the nuggets right now are one and four they were in the western conference finals last year nuggets are one and four celtic struggling with the pistons uh what else the nets right now i think are three and four so some of these records look disappointing the cavaliers in first week were three and oh and now i think they're probably there what are they three and three or something like that the records are they're gonna close in a little bit right i think one thing people are kind of underrating especially while i'm not really going that that hard in on teams right now is because these series which i like i like this uh and kuzma said he likes it too because Teams don't have to fly as much, so it's not as hard on their bodies because flying can cause inflammation. As frequently as they fly, it causes an inflammation in their bodies. So they kind of like just pulling up to a city and playing a team twice and then leaving after a few days. But because that's happening, certain teams do get into a situation where they can kind of pad their record a little bit. You go to a city and you win two games there. You go to another city, you win two games there. It, you can't really tell a lot early on. You're gonna have to gonna have to let a lot of these play out before you can really see where teams stand. So, one of the questions uh, from Twitter, people asking me about the Nuggets. I'm like, look, let's just wait and see. They've lost a couple of close games so far. So they're one and four. I don't know exactly how many of those games have been close. I know Christmas Day wasn't close, but some of these losses have been close. The Kings loss, um, yeah, they did play the Kings. Kings loss was close. They had another one. They had a couple of these that came down to the end. So let's just see. There's 72 games. There's plenty of time. And so same thing for the Warriors. Very, very poor start. Curry did not look great, but they're going to have to make, like Curry said, like, yeah, Steve Curry. I don't want to mix him and Curry up because I do that sometimes in videos. Yeah, Kerr said, I think it takes him like 18 games to figure out his rotations. This is a completely different team. So rotations, they can figure that out. And then Curry probably realizes after a game like tonight, after they've been blown out the other night, realizes tonight, like, you don't have to score 60 all the time, but you're going to have to be 
on go. You have to be on go mode all the time. And it's not going to fall some nights, especially there were some nights early in the season where, again, he was missing makeable shots. Sometimes they were just wide open shots and they were just bricks. And I just chalked that up to he hadn't played in nine months. I figure he's going to, I won't be really be worried about that until it's halfway through the season or we're in March or April or something and it still looks crazy. Then I'm like, all right, that's when you might start talking, start using words like washed. And then still you might not use them then, right? But six games into the season, you're just not going to get a lot of concrete stuff. And I think it's like that all around the league. But yeah, this was this is why I have my eyes on matchups like this, because regardless of the Warriors having been been blown out, I still made sure I pulled it up on the phone tonight. I was like, just in case, because Curry and Lillard, that's a legendary matchup. People might not realize it now, but you should anyway. So so two of the only players that's. How many players in the NBA can consistently shoot from the logo? There's probably only five, right? And this is two of them right here. So this is always a great thing to see. Great respect for each other. Lillard took his L. And yeah, because it's not a good look, regardless of what happened, especially in the in, in the age of social media, that's just not a good look. They get 62 on your dome after the, that quote. It just doesn't look good together. <laughs> but he took, he took it like a man, bro. Lillard took it like a champ. Um, I don't think a playoff matchup between these two teams is likely this year, but that would be awesome. That'd be awesome because it'd be more even than it's been in the last few years. And yeah, Curry can once again prove his legacy to you guys, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's, that's that's funny. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. There will be more Warriors basketball to consume more nights like this, hopefully. Steve Kerr had some thoughts on Steph Curry, by the way. I did have that written down. Steve Kerr said that if you think about most guys considered the best players in the league, physical freaks of nature, LeBron, Giannis, Anthony Davis, Steph is 6'3", 180 pounds. My goodness, I weigh the same or more than Steph, and I'm shorter than him right now. And he says, whatever he is, he has to carry a game with skill, not physicality. Well, hopefully nobody misconstrued that. Obviously, that's not a shot at other players because I believe Kerr. I don't remember what his what he weighed in with the GOAT conversation with LeBron, but he has LeBron up there, right? He's not saying LeBron isn't skilled. He's not pulling a Harden and saying Giannis isn't skilled. He's not he's not there. But I do think that was probably him being a little bit protective of his star player because that's one of the things, again, that I said in the narratives video is if you're actually watching the Warriors games, he does still off of his skill and penetration still does create looks for his teammates that weren't going down and he does a lot off ball he has to do a lot where he's not just he's not a freak of nature he's not a he's not crazy athletic in the general sense that you would that you would think about it because he is athletic but not how you would not like a john wall or westbrook it's not really in your face right unannounced water break my bad <laughs> and so <clears throat> Yeah, when you're you're not a freak of nature and you have to carry yourself or carry a game off skill uh, and around players that aren't as skilled, it's going to look a little bit weird for a while. But we'll see where this whole thing goes, man. I am watching tons of Warriors game for that reason. I told you they were fascinating. And then we get 62 points from Curry. First 60-point game of his entire career. Amazing. Well, that's pretty much my Warriors talk. Uh, I did want to, oh yeah, I should have said this first, so, I did want to say my bad, because I, I get things wrong on a podcast, I'll come back and just say, hey, I got it wrong, um, Christian Wood, I had actually been talking about him, like the, or I've been talking about the Pistons, like they just let Christian Wood go, and I don't know why, I don't know where I read it, or where I kept seeing it this summer, 
or this offseason that the Pistons pretty much just let Wood go. I think the big thing was that they were paying somebody the same thing that Wood is making or something like that. So it looked crazy on the Pistons part. But if you didn't know, because Christian Wood is hooping right now, he did not want to be in Detroit anymore. And he was an unrestricted free agent. So there was nothing Detroit could do, right? This is a potential star player or a future star. And yeah, you can't have shit in Detroit. So he knew that. So he didn't want to be there. And uh, I think they moved him as a part of a sign and trade. And that's how he ended up in Houston. It wasn't a thing where the Pistons, as far as I know, anyways, from what I found, because I, I had to go look. I, I just kept getting curious about that. Hey, yo, time out. Is my air conditioning off? I'm sorry, y'all. I'm burning up in this bitch. I thought my AC was off. It, it breaks a lot in this complex. Um, yeah, I, I had just kept talking about it like Detroit just let him go and they didn't so christian wood is yeah the guy is, is who i don't let me pull up his exact stats for y'all right now because i've been watching him more than i've been looking at his stats so i know his stats are nice because that's the thing i've been watching rockets games i'm also fascinated by them and so that's pretty much where we're turning next because i just dropped a john wall video ah here we go christian wood through four games so tiny sample size obviously Playing 36 minutes a game, he is averaging 23 points, basically 11 rebounds, yeah. So 23 and 11 and two blocks a game. He's shooting 55% from the field and 35% from three. Those are those are star numbers through four games. Those are easily star numbers, no question. That's up from uh, in Detroit where he was playing 21 minutes a game and he was averaging 13 and six right yeah 2020 yeah okay cool and uh yeah this this breakout i guess you could say had kind of been happening not really he played eight games for the pelicans in 2019 after he was traded from milwaukee it looks like and so but yeah the guy he, he had been a he'd been hidden for a couple of years if you didn't know christian wood has actually been in the nba since 2015 2016 season where he played 17 games for philadelphia so he's been around a little bit and uh he broke out really in detroit that's what we saw like okay this guy he's got some potential and that's why it was surprising to see like damn detroit finally had something nice and it was just gone just like that he only played for them for one season so i guess that's kind of like i said everything's optics right it looks like they just had a decent player just let him go and pay someone else that's not what happened i wanted to correct that for y'all so he plays in Houston now, and Houston is interesting. Boy, do I have some things to say about Houston, and it's not necessarily all focused on James Harden, although it is, because every week we talk about James Harden, trade rumors, and whatnot. This is a little bit different. So John Wall, if you didn't see my video, I'm not about to repeat my whole video uh, that I just did for Mr. Sonic the Hedgehog here, but he's played two games. It was the series against the Kings, and yeah, it, it He's been able to basically get what he wants against Kings defense. So we do need to see him against some more teams. It has been early, but it kind of goes back to the thing with Kevin Durant, where in the preseason, he looked like Kevin Durant. And we were like, oh, OK, well, this is a good sign because we already have the receipts on this guy. So we don't need a ton of convincing. That's why when people were like, oh, yeah, this is just preseason. Let's see KD do it in, KD do it in the regular season. I'm like, bro, this is this is Kevin Durant. If he looks like he always did, then you can probably take that at face value. And so in preseason, John Wall looked nice. He looked not, I don't know if he looked exactly like himself in the Wizards, but he looked, it was very encouraging. And this is John Wall. And so he's carried that so far right into the season. Now, this is really, 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 really fucking important. This is super important in the scheme of things that is going on right now with the James Harden trade rumors and Houston, Houston's future. This is so important, bro. And as, and with Christian Woods, boy, this cannot be understated. This is the part I didn't really talk about so much in my 
main channel video because it was mostly a, a breakdown and, and showing some of the things that he's doing on the court. But Wall, right now, look, when, first of all, I, I did clear that up because somebody, is it slander? Or, uh, yeah, so look, like somebody misrepresented, I'm just going to say, somebody misrepresented what I said. Somebody said I said Wall was never going to be good. Again, first of all, I never said that. And if you ever see a Dom 2K quote, if I ever get big enough to where you start seeing Dom 2K quotes out there, know it's some bullshit if it looks like a definitive, like, a, a definitive downer on somebody. Because I don't do that. If you notice, I don't do that with draft picks. I don't do that with players where we don't have a definitive answer. Because I'm like, let's see it play out. That's why you don't see any any stale draft takes from me. Because I don't know what a damn draft pick is going to turn out to be. Unless it's super obvious. I don't know, fam. Some people get put in bad situations. And there's a million moving variables. So I don't say shit that could easily age like milk. I just don't. Because I don't feel... I just don't feel the need to do that. I don't I don't understand why that's, why that's necessary. So with John Wall, my specific quotes on John Wall were always... This was a point guard, a very explosive point guard that did not shoot incredibly well from the three-point line. He's not known as a shooter and relied on explosion and speed and shiftiness who had an Achilles injury. Now, we don't have a lot of great examples of stars coming back from Achilles injury. As a matter of fact, the only one you ever hear about is Dominic Wilkins, who, by the way, I just I just learned he was a lot younger than I realized when he tore his Achilles. He's actually he was pretty much a star in his prime, right? Let me just Google that for y'all real quick, because I saw that earlier, and that knocked me off my field on how old, because this could actually be pretty interesting uh, for what I'm talking about right now with stars in their prime. How old was Dominic Wilkins when he tore Achilles? Dominic Wilkins was, oh, okay. Yeah, okay, no, my bad. Yo, scrap, scrap what I said. Scrap what I said. I saw some fake news earlier. This man was 32 years old. Okay, yeah. Wilkins is a freaking nature. That's some that's some weird ass shit. 32 years old and he was still he was still good after his Achilles. So we, yeah, back to my original point. We don't have a lot of information on superstars in their primes, tearing their Achilles, and we don't have a lot of information on players or a lot of examples of players doing that and coming back to be good. And so yeah, point guard like Wall. And specifically, I think it came up in the Westbrook trade. What I said was that Washington knows what they're getting. The Rockets don't. That was completely true. You don't know for sure. Even now, right? It's only been two games. You still don't know. We still have to see if there's re-injury. There's still a million things that could go wrong. But the bigger thing I was saying there is Washington had a crazy contract. At that point, a point guard who had been out for years with... Uh, an infection in his foot, the heel injury, and then the Achilles injury. I was like, you have no clue with his type of game what that's going to be. So they traded it into one of the only places they could for something where at least they knew what they were getting in Russ. Which, by the way, I don't think Russ is doing as bad as a lot of people are saying this year. I've actually watched Wizards games myself. It really seems like defense is a bit more their issue. Russ has actually created some nice looks for players and done some of what he was supposed to. But yeah, he a lot of what he's supposed to, but obviously his shot selection... Uh, can be trash sometimes. Anyways, like I said, you know what you're getting yourself into with Russ. That was the, my whole thing about the Wizards. And with the Rockets, especially with the James Harden situation, I was like, you've now got this point guard who's entering his 30s, and the injury should be a death sentence on his game. So, but you don't know. You don't know. Like, he could still be okay, but I was like, it should be a death sentence to him being like a top point guard in the league. So that's basically where I stood on wall before the season. I thought he could be okay. I, I really hypothetically think any player can be okay after an Achilles injury. They can come back. Rudy Gates or his. He was still decent for a while. 
I hypothetically think any player can be okay, but returning to superstar level, now that I, I do have to see. Long story short, that's not the same as saying a player is not going to be good again. That's not even remotely the same thing. I would never say a player is not going to be good because, like, he just, he simply can be. He, <laughs> right? Like, it could be that simple. Like, he, he can just simply be good again. I don't know. It can happen, right? But, anyways, John Wall is good right now. And what that can do for the Rockets... Well, first of all, that could be gold because you've got yourself paying him a crazy amount, like I said, because he signed that extension a long time ago. So you got yourself paying him a crazy amount in the future. And this starts to make James Harden look a little bit funny in the light because all of a sudden it becomes a thing where, okay, again, this is just the first two games. But if Christian Wood, let's just say Christian Wood kept the course, right? Now you've got a top big man in the league who stretches the floor, by the way, so he fits your game, and possibly a top point guard, who also, by the way, again, in these first two games, he did not shoot the three-point well, but he's showing willingness to shoot it, and if he goes through the season and his legs get under him even more, so he has more lift on his jump shot, he's in better condition, he's in better game shape, and that starts falling, that could go a long way, obviously, in helping him play with James Harden, because I think that's one of the issues down the stretch with Westbrook and Harden is Westbrook's shot just started to fail, and then the Rockets failed. And so yeah, if you're a point guard, you can't shoot. with Playing with Harden, you, that's not it. You can't do it. You can't be successful at it anyways. And so then you start to think, well... By the way, we really don't have a lot of new James Harden trade information this week, so this is something different. You start to think, do you even trade Harden this year if you're the Rockets? Because you still have him under contract for two years, right? Before he has an option. So it's this year, then he has to play next season, then then that summer is his option. I'm just doing that off the dome. I'm pretty sure that's the situation. Now, of course, again, it's it's a tough situation because... There's more value in a contract that has two years, whereas next year's is essentially a rental uh, to a team. It can potentially be a rental. So, yeah, it is a tough decision. But also, you have to be looking at if you're Houston right now, you also have to be looking and saying we're low key. We low key still have a contending team of James Harden plays ball here. If the trajectory holds up, Christian Wood, great big man, John Wall, great point guard. And then James Harden, MVP level player, and you still got your shooters around there. This the PJ Tucker is still there. He'll play ball. Um, you you got your guys, right? You got your you got the regular crew. And so, if you're the Rockets, you say, unless you get something undeniably like a, again a ransom package for Harden, that this makes their situation a little bit easier because you can play it out and you can be really good this year and possibly contend. Or you can get a package for whatever they're looking at for James Harden and say, hey, John Wall is all of a sudden a part of our future now, if he can hold that up. Because, and that's something that's going to take a while to figure out because, again, re-injury could happen at any time, right? So we have to see what happens long term. But John Wall holding up at something close to his old level or at the level that he's at right now, all of a sudden, again, before this season, 
that's what I was looking at with Wall was say because people were like, oh, how is Ben Simmons and Wall supposed to play together? My thing was, well, John Wall is going to be 30 years old. And again, this is before he really played. So I was like 30 year old Wall off an Achilles. I don't think he's necessarily what you're looking at in terms of building with in the future. This is not really the guy you're looking at and saying, yeah, we're building around him more than likely, even if even with the health still, I'm not sure if you're starting a rebuild around a 30 year old. I'm not sure if that's the starting point. But again, he makes things a bit easier. Whatever package you get, again, possibly a ransom package, and you still got Wall there, that also makes things easier because all of a sudden maybe you don't just flail out and you don't just tank, which also could be maybe not a great thing, right? Because maybe you get stuck in no man's land. How long does John Wall stay at this level uh, if he does? Because that could only maybe last a couple of more years and then... Sometimes it's better for a team to just go all the way when it's trying to rebuild. So it, it opens up. You go down. You don't. You go down a. Uh, excuse me. You go down a crazy rabbit hole. But Wall has made this thing interesting, though, man. If you're not watching Rockets games, I absolutely implore you to because we haven't had John Wall in our league in a long time, like so long. Like yeah, we just we just kind of forgot about him. I didn't know if he was ever coming back. He didn't know if he was ever coming back. By the way, uh, I did write that quote down. He was apparently flirting with the idea of having to have his Achilles, my bad, his foot amputated. The exact quote was, where is this one? Yeah, he said, I went through three or four different infections in his foot. So it got to the point where, okay, are you going to have to cut off your foot or not? That's where it got real with me. That's crazy because I didn't hear that until it came from him. I didn't know it was anything like that. It makes you feel terrible because he... Like you're going through that at the same time, I believe he lost his mother, too. So it must have been like a crazy world for him uh, over this last few years. Because you start talking about losing your career like that just abruptly. But he hasn't. But he hasn't. He's here. And what's particularly stuck out to me, again, that's what I made sure to emphasize that in the video. It's not necessarily just his numbers because... That could fall off. It's only two games. But to me, it's the moves that he's actually making, the shiftiness, the willingness to put the same pressure on his feet or make certain moves that he was making before the injury. Because that's the mental thing. If y'all remember Derrick Rose trying to come back, I think that was his big hang up was having the confidence to do the same things that he did before the injury. Because when he tore his ACL, it was just simple hop, step, land, a movie probably made a million times. ACL was gone. And so... We kept wanting him to come back that whole year, and then he got medically cleared, and people started to get frustrated with him and restless, and people got people were getting really mad with this guy. I don't know if y'all remember that. It's been eight years now, but people were getting pissed. Um, I wanted to see D Rose play really bad in 2013, especially when they said he once they said he was medically cleared. I used to have this idea that he was going to come back like mid playoffs and help the Bulls maybe pass the Heat or something. Of course, I had a very a simple understanding of athletes' bodies back then. There's no way in hell this man could have done that off an ACL. But, yeah, and then he came back and he got hurt again and he kept getting hurt. And He's he's changed his game up now, but, yeah, the roles that we were getting, like, 2011 and 2012, that got cut significantly short. And so Wall has been out since how long now? Was it, like, 18? Like beginning of 19, beginning of 18? Something crazy. He's been around. He's been gone for a really long time. But because of that, he's had a lot of time to recover and a lot of time to work on things and a lot of time to get that confidence back. And lo and behold, here he is. Uh, and you don't see any of that. You don't see anything hesitant. Same thing with KD. KD's been out since mid-2019. And he had all this time to recover. Because of COVID, he had even extra time to recover. And he's not... He tried to He tried to catch a body on Thomas Bryant, I think, tonight. Um, 
and he got up as high as he always did hand all the way above the rim he took the contact just that full confidence is what you look for if you're not if you're going to say oh and we need to see him put these numbers up against a great team and whatnot well I'm just looking at the the confidence to make those moves and I'm looking at the shiftiness and what he's actually doing and right now it, it looks fucking awesome this week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers. And 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. So that could completely change. That and Christian Wood could completely change the Rockets' fortunes. That could completely change their fortunes. That could change their idea of what they want to do with Harden or how how much pressure they feel to move Harden. Because, again, like I said, one strain of thought is, hey, we're still a contending team right now in this conference. If you bring everything back and you have everyone healthy here, we're actually a contending team. Um, Or we're a good team. We're a really good team at least, right? But then also the two-year... But once you have to trade a rental, you can't get as much. So we'll see what they do. But here we are in January and I haven't really heard many hardened rumors lately and I haven't seen a move. I don't really it doesn't feel like a move is happening anytime soon, which because of the Dom curse probably means it'll happen before this podcast goes up. But yeah, that's that's where it is, right? I just hit the mic again. That's where it is right now. That's where it is right now. And we will be keeping an eye on that. I will be watching more John Wall because I've been waiting quite a while for this. And it's fire so far. <laughs> Let's go ahead and talk about some more uh, unexpected news here. Let me get some water. Okay. Julius Randle. Sir Julius averages more points than Devin Booker. More rebounds than Anthony Davis and more assists than Luka Doncic. The Knicks are <clears throat> probably a 500 team right now. Not exactly. Let me. I, I do want to get y'all Julius Randle's exact stats. <laughs> this is funny. If you listen to my podcast weekly, you know why this is funny because I had all the questions in the world about Obi Toppin and not starting and Randle. So okay, so here we are. Six games Randle has played. He's averaging 21 and 10 through six games. That's, again, we have to see if you sustain it, right? Uh, my, oh, shit. My bad. He's averaging 21, 10, and 7. So he's actually somewhat flirting with a triple-double. He's shooting 50% from three on four attempts a game. And he's shooting 49.5% from the field. Now, I do want to say this is what I, again, any when I was younger, anytime somebody got drafted like high, I was always super fascinated and wanted to see them develop and thought they were going to have some really quick impact. And so back when I was doing like 2K rosters and shit and three king stuff on the PlayStation 4, I remember I, I made Randall's stats like really high on the Lakers because that's this is how I envisioned them when he got drafted at the time. That's kind of how I envisioned them, especially because wasn't there around 2015? Yeah, I thought I thought the Celtics might get him back then. Of course, he broke his leg on opening night, so that didn't help anything. And yeah, this is uh, the Knicks do six games at three and three for the Knicks. That's an accomplishment. They're not zero six. So this is funny because <laughs> my whole soliloquy a couple of uh, weeks ago, probably. 
about Julius Randle and the the Knicks and the direction they were going with drafting Obi Toppin. And during the preseason, we started to notice, hey, they're playing Randle and Noel, but you, you've got Mitchell Robinson and Toppin are probably the future of this team, right? If you're looking at the squad, this is who you're looking at and you're saying in five years or something, if we're successful, it's probably it's probably centered around some combination with those guys. And my thing with Randall wasn't necessarily saying, because if you see it, Randall's had some success throughout his career. Obviously, he just hadn't played for many good teams. He played for the Lakers right before they got LeBron. Uh, with the Pelicans, he averaged... Wow, is that serious? I'm not even going to lie to you. I didn't realize he was doing 21-8 on the Pelicans. I'm going to just keep it a whole stack. <laughs> he was doing 21-8, not as many assists. That's the difference this year. Um, last year with the Knicks, he was doing 19 and 10, basically. So now he's doing 21, 10 and 7, which we, we wonder if the assist numbers are going to stay. So, yeah, you've had a pretty decent guy here and he's 26 years old. And so I, I do understand it from Tom Thibodeau's perspective because coaches get fired routinely for teams doing poorly. So you bring him in and he's a bit more old fashioned. I totally now get why you're going to start Julius Randle and have Obi Toppin earn his minutes and prove himself and not put a talent like Randle on the bench who could probably be helping you win and for right now is helping you win uh, a couple of games at least or a few games at least and so uh, especially Obi Toppin <clears throat> I think he's strained his calf yeah it's a strained calf we don't know exactly when we're gonna see him playing basketball again I was excited because he I saw some flashes in preseason so I was excited to see him hooping but right now Julius Randle is hooping he's this is you wonder though you wonder again because of that the, the positions you've got Randall there you got Toppin playing the same position then you got Mitchell Robinson who can probably play a bit of both and you do start to wonder with Randall is he is is this because he's only 26 years old is this something you're keeping to build with and if you are then what happens with the other pieces um, I'm just trying to find his contract right now yeah he's under contract until Wow, really? It's only partially guaranteed. Yeah, he's on the contract until next season. Yeah, so this season and then next season, and then you'll have to... There's no option. There's no team option or player option. You just be a straight-up free agent. So you'll have to you have to factor in, I guess, where the other players are in development at that point in time. Uh, some people don't think the Julius Randle hooping right now is sustainable. I'm not sure how many people are even paying attention to it, but a lot of people seem to think that this is going to come down. And that they should still be building with what is probably going to be their future pieces or what they're going to be, like I just said, Mitchell Robinson, Toppin, and the other guys. Uh, not necessarily knowing, because people, I've never known Nick fans to like Julius Randle, even with the numbers that he's putting up. Even now, I still hear some things. I've never known them to, to like him as much. But yeah, for, I'm catching Nick's games now. I'm actually turning on Nick's basketball, which... Since Chris Dapps hadn't been there, that really hadn't <laughs> hadn't really been my cup of tea, honestly. I wasn't rushing to watch Knicks games, so I'd peek my head in every now and then. But now, yeah, Knicks and Pacers are on TV, or, well, League Pass anyways. I want to see it. I want I actually wanted to see Sabonis and Randall. <laughs> I was like, how many of y'all are watching Sabonis and Randall right now? The, the duel of Sabonis and Randall. And, uh, yeah, I don't think that had crazy ratings. And it wasn't because of kneeling, guys. Let me stop. So, yeah, I just did want to mention that. And it, you know, if Randall's playing like that and the Knicks are winning, then we'll see when Toppin, off of his injury, gets some minutes. And what happens with that in the future? Because that's going to be interesting. Again, kind of the same position there. Um, and 
we talk about this is like starting talent. Both of those could eventually probably be starting talents. So is there a way that you're going to be playing them together? There's a lot of questions there for the Knicks. But, hey, I'm, at least maybe it might start going in the right direction. 500 for the Knicks is a is a good direction. I like that. So there's my little Julius Randle excerpt. Man, John Moran is out for three to five weeks. Now, that's this is exactly what I had in mind. I didn't want to talk about it yet, but that's exactly what I had in mind when I was in the Curry section. And I was talking about how one injury to any player in the Western Conference for any kind of amount of time can completely take you out of playoff hunts. And yeah, it, I think that's basically happened here with the Grizzlies. He had a uh, very... Yeah, shit was, I don't want to say brutal, because I think it turned into a grade two. But still, though, the shit was nasty. He went and tried to contest a shot, and he jumped really high on the contest. It was like he was trying to dunk, (laughs) did a dunk contest, and came down smack dab on a Nets player's foot. Couldn't put any pressure on it, hopped off, did all the did all the theatrics that come with an ankle injury. It's funny, though, because you saw people, like my brother pointed out to me in Instagram comment sections, people were like, all that for an ankle injury? And me just having come off an ankle injury, I'm like, bro, have, do y'all play any type of sports? Have y'all ever had this injury? Ankles are a biatch. For a good 30, 45 seconds, you're sitting there rolling on the ground, wondering when the pain is going to subside, so you can check if you can still move your shit, right? <laughs> so it's not, it's not just, oh, it's just a sprain, it's not that bad, bro, that shit feels like death for a good minute straight, it's, it's pain, and then you get up and you realize, hey, I'm okay, but yeah, um, the Grizzlies weren't just missing John Moran, I didn't realize at the beginning of the season, they were also missing Jaron Jackson, too, so yeah, it's two of their best players, probably their two best players, and look what so he did that a couple of days ago probably maybe a week ago and he's going to be out uh, another month right now possibly or, or three weeks yeah they're gonna they are losing plenty of games right now i think what are the grizzlies record um why did i just open photoshop that does not help things while i'm recording the grizzlies played the lakers tonight so you know that was an l without even looking and they are currently two and three, so nothing terrible, but that's probably gonna fall a good bit. It's probably gonna fall a good bit before Morant gets back. And being that you can still win a ton of games in the West and miss it by like half a game or one game, yeah, I think I, I could. I said I don't say anything definitively, but right now, if I had to bet to write the Grizzlies off, I, I would bet to write the Grizzlies off because I think that might be a hole. I think they might dig themselves in a hole that's too far to climb out of. I hope not, though. I really hope not because I love watching John Morant. And I would like to see them fighting for a spot there at the end. But <laughs> we were talking about why are the Grizzlies not on national TV, right? We were having all those questions earlier. And that would suck, right? They'd be scheduled for these TVs without Jai and Jaron Jackson. And, oh, goodness, the ratings would be down. And not because players are kneeling. <laughs> Let me stop, bro. Um, yeah, there goes, there goes the Grizzlies. Um, we really need to talk about the Amari thing. Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't talk about a couple of things here. So, um, moving down, the Raptors are not having a great season right now. Pascal Siakam had to be disciplined for uh, some altercation on the court. Can't remember exactly what it was now, but I think they sat him because of that. And he's not, he's not playing well right now. His percentages are in the dumps and the Raptors, pretty much like I said, again, this is one of those... I do I do do predictions. I don't I don't just say anybody's going to be garbage right off the top. But the Toronto Raptors, I had I saw people mainly Raptors fans talking about this team is going to be 
second in the East again. And I'm like, bro, do y'all not realize y'all got worse this offseason? I didn't think that was anything crazy. I still had them, what, sixth in the East, I believe? And they're one and four right now. And I'm like, bruh, you got worse. One one summer you lost Kawhi Leonard. Then the next you lost Ibaka and Gasol. So that's three players from that championship team. So I think they lost Kawhi and started to feel like, oh, well, they had a good, they had such a good season last year that we're, we're invincible. I'm like, fam, you can only lose so many cogs from a championship core before it starts to matter. And so you you lose Gasol and then you lose Ibaka too. That's maybe from an impact on the court. That's one of the, the bigger ones there. The rim protection, the three-point shooting that he brought. And you lose that. And I'm like, okay. In the Eastern Conference, to me, y'all are no longer major players anymore. That's how I looked at that. So far, again, it is it is early in the season. But, uh, again, I, I think you judge accordingly, right? Nuggets were in the Conference Finals last year. Uh, you got Michael Porter Jr. developing. I think they're going to – I think overall they're going to turn out okay. I think they're going to do better than they're doing now. But this Raptors team is kind of where I expect them to be. They're – they're, they're a little bit, I'm not going to lie, they're doing a little bit worse than I expect at the moment. But I had them down there in that in that bottom of the Eastern Conference. Outside of the contenders, I put them around six. And hell, at the moment, it's looking like the Pacers are going to grip that spot. But that's shit is, again, we're, we're very early in. So I, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> ah, there goes my water. I got to do this whole podcast, rest of this podcast with a dry mouth. Um, yep, there goes the Raptors, yo, oh yeah, and there goes Siakam splits, by the way, I had actually, I actually did have them here, he has averaged 16 points, 39% from the field, 28% from three, he had fouled out of his last two games when I wrote that down, and yeah, DNP from disciplinary measures from the team, so, not going great, bro, it's probably because they're playing in Tampa, now, everybody ain't built for this Florida life. Um, yeah, MPJ is also out because of health and safety reasonings. Of course, that is pretty on brand there. That's what you would, that's about what you would expect. Zach Collins had to undergo surgery to repair a left ankle stress fracture. I feel like he's been hurt for fucking ever. But yeah, so that's a, uh, that's a piece for the Blazers that's not going to be there anytime soon. Into a very interesting story that I hadn't really looked into. I guess some of the, some of the games came on Steph dropped 60 and turned the Blazers into a pack and I forgot to look this thing up about Marvin Bailey's dad after this Houston trip telling Twitter that he wants his son traded yeah that was a thing apparently he said yep his dad asked Kings to trade his son on Twitter ASAP (laughs) this is funny I'm not sure exactly what got him riled up enough for this they lost in Houston. The Kings, if you again, I'd been watching them play because it's sort of resplay, so I'd been keeping up with them, and I thought they looked pretty decent to start the season. Of course, now they're at uh, 500, so things are starting to level out a little bit. But yeah, in his in a since deleted tweet, he later uh, he later retweeted a quote tweet of a screenshot of that deleted tweet. Luke Walden was asked about Bigley's comments, and he said, "My message is always the same. We don't listen to any of that." <laughs> Fucking AAU parents, we don't listen to this. It's us within these walls, but yeah, okay, cool. That's a lot of just, just regular, regular talk there. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I feel like that didn't get like any attention. Basically, I feel like they didn't get. <laughs> I feel like they didn't get any of the attention compared to how how funny that is for a, a pretty decent player's dad 
to be trying to get him up out of there on Twitter. And it's always funny to me because I always think about, like, if I was an NBA player, would I put messages out through my family? I'm not saying Bigley did that. I don't know how connected he is. But that's just it's just funny because I've had that thought before. I see players significant others writing shit or I see their family or their brother, somebody writing something on their on their uh, Instagram page or on Twitter. I'm like, you know, that because because you're associated, right? Kind of like when Anthony Davis, kind of like when Anthony Davis's dad said he didn't want him playing for Boston. And then uh, Rich Paul came out with the thing about, yeah, if he goes to Boston, it'd just be a rental. So we could kind of conclude from there that that's probably how Anthony Davis felt. So yeah, people close to you don't speak for you, but you do just kind of always wonder anytime you hear something from somebody that's close to them and they actually have a relationship, you do kind of wonder what does that, what does that player feel? And so that does make me wonder what Bagley feels, but yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any serious movement on the Bagley trade right now. I thought that was funny that that happened. So we'll keep an eye on that. Kings are down to 500. A lot of teams are 500 right now. We'll be reading off the standings here at the end. Did I have any more? Do I always run out of NBA stuff at an hour? It seems like I get pretty close to this always. Uh, Kimball Walker is gone until at least February, by the way. The Celtics have been struggling with the Pistons. It took a Jason Tatum game winner. It took Jalen Brown hooping out and a Jason Tatum stop at the end on Blake Griffin to secure us a victory in Detroit. One victory. So they split that. Not doing great right now. Their depth is not amazing. And yeah, because their depth is not amazing, it would probably help to have Kimba back. It's happening pretty much the way people are asking me a lot in the question section about Jalen Brown and the Celtics. Um, and it's happening pretty much how I thought without Kimba Walker, because that's a good 20 points a game. Obviously, a lot of that falls on Brown and Tatum. And because of that, you're seeing some good development, specifically from Jalen Brown, kind of how I imagined it. And you do wonder, again, because we've seen this before, right? We've seen good development from players, and then uh, the the star comes back, or another, what we'd say, these players could be stars and then another star comes back and all of a sudden it throws everything out of whack right so you do kind of wonder when Kimba comes back and eats his shots how does does it does it work how we kind of want it to because how we want it to work is make up making up for the I don't want to say I like some of our bench but yeah we do we do not look that great on some nights and it looks like we could use another score so oh uh, yeah I want Kimba back but yeah we have to do without him for at least a month so we just kind of have to hold the fort game back and just see where we can go from there it's it's not it doesn't look incredible then it doesn't look incredible but Jalen Brown does though and of course he lit Memphis up Memphis is uh they didn't have any and have their two star players as we talked about, but yeah, Brown went off, and it's just in line with the things that he's doing this season, which also makes people question, hey, how about the Brown and Harden thing? Because if he, if Harden comes to Boston, that means Brown is definitely gone. That's always been the assumption. That's always been the assumption, right? Now everyone's saying, I, I, I wake up to at least one tweet about Jalen Brown being better than Jason Tatum a day, so now you, you start to wonder, right? But uh, again, I... Who knows what the, with those Harden rumors and uh, people also are of the opinion that James Harden again to your contract. So are you betting you can win a championship with him in this next two years versus you can lock Tatum and Brown up for many years and keep going at it and surround them? And maybe that's maybe that's where you go with it, especially having already been to the, the conference finals and being two two wins away from the NBA finals. 
maybe you maybe you just stick with it but that's what makes i wouldn't want the job of a gm i'm gonna tell you right now i would not want the job of a gm because some of these decisions you have to make it's like yeah it'd be great if you did this but it also might not be great or it would also be great if you didn't do it there's just so much shit that goes into those those choices there's so many jobs i would not want in the nba i wouldn't want to be a ref i wouldn't want to be a coach i wouldn't want to be a general manager yeah none of that shit bro those decisions they're, they're very thankless jobs sometimes a lot of the times well that's all the nba stuff this week yeah we, we just ran always I, I don't do this on purpose i don't get to an hour and then stop on purpose this is just how it always goes and uh yeah i need to start reading the standing so i guess it didn't matter much up to now i've been forgetting low-key but yeah it didn't matter much to now but some of these standings are starting to look a little bit more realistic. Not really, to be honest with you. It still looks fucked up. Still fuck um Sixers are five and one. They I haven't talked about the Sixers at all. Yeah, they the Sixers, yeah, they're they're five and one. They're playing pretty good basketball. Ben Simmons, Aiden Embiid, and they got the shooters around them now. But let the season wear on. I think I had them. Where did I have the Sixers in my Eastern Conference predictions? I had four contenders in the East. Maybe fourth or fifth, right? I had them like fourth or fifth because of the the questions and also not knowing what they were going to do with the trades because they were, they said they became front and center in that hard and shit. So didn't know what was going to happen there. Either way, five and one right now. Looking nice. We'll see where things are in another week because, hey, right behind them, do Orlando Magic go four and two? (laughs) And if they had to beat an OKC again, which I don't believe they did, they would be five and one as well. And so, like I said, with these series, you just kind of just kind of let things play out. Uh, the Indiana Pacers four and two at number three. The Cavaliers are also four and two. The Hawks are also four and two at number five. Yes, the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, this is why I need to go at standings at the end because it'll it will remind me of things I hadn't really talked about. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of Trey Young. Trey Young looks incredible. The Hawks look nice, and Danilo Gallinari hasn't even been playing. He's been hurt. I believe he has a foot injury. Uh, I don't forgive the NBA for not giving the Hawks more games because. I'm pretty sure they made that schedule after it become clear that the Hawks had a nice roster. They made some additions around an exciting young player, and they didn't get any kind of national love. And you got Trey Young and Kyrie Irving playing on League Pass. Although one of those games turned into a blowout, I think the other one was close. It's like, come on now. This is two of the most exciting point guards in the league, and they're not on at least NBA TV. Can't even swing that. I don't know. So yeah, the Hawks are there four and two. Celtics are behind them at six at four and three. And then look at this: the Knicks are three and three, and the Bucks are three and three. And then Brooklyn is ninth. They're three and four. They have the tied record with the Chicago Bulls at three and four. The Miami Heat are two and three at eleventh, right in front of Charlotte at twelfth, who are two and four. And then you start getting ugly: Wizards, Raptors, Pistons. Yeah, it starts looking like poverty. Um, but yeah, like I said, obviously the series shit has. Some of these records looking mighty weird. So I, I don't think you're gonna see the Bucks and Nets at the bottom of the conference. This looks like a 2K. This looks like this looks like a 2K bracket at the end of the season right now. Not really. They they don't really get the brackets wrong. Yeah, what am I talking about? I don't know. You you get it. 2K fuck shit up sometimes. Uh, in the Western Conference, the Clippers are tied with the Phoenix Suns at five and the Lakers. So it's a three way tie for first. Actually, was there a tie at the in the East? No. Yeah, three way tie for first right now. Uh, but it goes one, two, three, Clippers, Suns, and Lakers. Yeah, it's gonna be a dog fight, bro. Those are all, those are all good teams, uh, great teams even. 
Utah Jazz right here at four and two, same as the Pelicans, so they're tied at four and five. Blazers three and three. Rockets two and two. Of course, they missed a game because of uh, the the Corona. The only miss we've had so far. By the way, yeah, barely any players are testing positive, and no star players, so that's awesome. And Golden State is here at eight, three and three, tied with Sacramento at ninth, three and three. And then it starts to my bad. Denver is now two and four. By the way, I was saying they were one and four throughout the. Uh, Throughout the uh, podcast, they are two and four, which ties them with like five other teams. <laughs> see, uh, the Mavericks are the last team in the conference right now, two and four. They're behind the Grizzlies. Yeah, see, you see the shit. You see how weird this is, bro. You see how weird this is. People making determinations and uh, having take set in stone after one week of NBA basketball or one and a half weeks. Like, come on, bro. This is gonna it's gonna be a while. We're gonna be here for a while. Take your time, saddle up, watch basketball, enjoy it. Don't have to have blazing hot takes after every game because it is so damn early right now. These brackets are gonna look totally different. And yeah, teams are gonna start playing other teams that they have no business being in the same tier as and then it all works out, right? Not worried about many people yet. All right, well, there goes your NBA basketball part. I don't have a games part this week. I, I honestly didn't play games much. Um, so, like, the media, yeah, I don't have a crazy media part this week. I did start playing Assassin's Creed off stream, and the shit looked amazing. Because when I play a game off stream, I get to play it on my TV. And, yeah, in performance mode, I believe, that shit looks incredible, bro. It's like I was watching a movie. So, yeah, I'm diving into the Assassin's Creed world. My PC is fully built and done, so I've been working on getting some of my mods back, trying to get 2K up and running for some streams because I've I found ways that can possibly make NBA 2K21 look good enough to um, stream off the PC again. Like, I can... Part of the thing is, like, 2K... 2K still, it does look good on PS5. It could look better, but it does look good. So when you have to go back to the PC and you get slow loading times and the game don't look as good, it kind of takes you out of that immersive feel through the stream, I believe. But anyways, yeah, I found some some creative ways to get the game to look really, really good to where it honestly, I don't think anybody would mind it. So I'm working on that at the moment. Like I said, the uh, everything worked out except for... I never figured out how to discover that one SSD that's basically just sitting there booting Windows on my computer. So did pretty much lose that one. But plenty of space on the computer. Processor is working out beautifully. Getting these VODs for VOD 2K rendered out way faster, like record time compared to what was happening first. So that is all going great. And but yeah, there's nothing else with the media this week. Um, yeah, we were the, the New Year's felt really weird. Honestly, I felt like. It was like a time void, and I wasn't really thinking about media. It's a very weird time, so uh, no media part this week. No serious media part this week. Uh, that will take us straight to the questions. Because there's no media part, I really don't have a... Can I do a creator highlight off the dome? I, I really don't have a creator highlight either. I just didn't think about it. I'm telling you, it was, I don't know how to describe like going into the new year. It, this one felt really, really weird. This one just felt really, really... I don't know. Maybe it's because of what that year that we don't speak of was and what it did and so i don't know going into a new one just something felt extremely off for like a good two or three days and now we're here so yeah i don't i have no creator highlight this week i don't i dropped the ball on that one we'll move on to the questions and we'll wrap this up in record time uh dave asked me what nba player do you wish to talk to current or legend yeah because i always knew at some point i was gonna start talking to nba players through this right like that was something that i i had seen before 
And then all of a sudden we were playing 2K with Reese and De'Aaron Fox. And so like, <clears throat> I obviously believe I'll probably be talking to uh, certain NBA players in the future. I've kind of always thought that. That's why I don't be like crazy fucking slandering these guys either. Because it's like, yo, I'm going to see some of these guys one day. I'm going to have to talk to some of these guys one day. So I'm not, I'm not going to talk crazy, right? Um, well, if I was supposed, if I was going to talk to a legend, I think I would... I just hit the fucking mic again, bro. All right, it's still. I think I would talk to Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson is one I would like to talk to because I feel like he'd be really easy to talk to. He seems like he's very. He's, he's, he seems like an open book, right? And also, I'm always fascinated about uh, historic players and how they think about the game today and how they think about players before them and what they saw in the game back then versus what they see now. That shit is really interesting. So Magic Johnson would be a legend and that I would want to talk to. And like I said, also the ease, because I don't think it's easy to talk to all of these. Like I pretty sure I told the story about talking to Rick Barry. I did. I told that story before. I'm not going to tell it again here, right here, but yeah, long story short, talking to Rick Barry was, uh, he has a reputation. He has a certain reputation for being kind of a dick. And I'll just say, like, after, after having a conversation with him um, in his home, by the way, that was back in, like, 2016 when we were on some immersion trip from college. This nigga lived on, like, the side of a mountain or something. It was some super bougie shit. But, yeah, I, I don't disagree <laughs> with the assessment there. Um, so, yeah, it was, if I want to talk to a legend, I wanted to I want to feel like they're easy to talk to. Like, I don't feel like talking to Michael Jordan would be easy because I might slip and say the wrong thing and he'll take it personally. And all of a sudden I'm looking crazy. So that'd be the legend. Um, current. I really want to talk to Clay Thompson, talking to Clay, feel like it would be hilarious. I don't know. Clay really, Clay really feels like he would, he's somebody you probably just kick it with playing 2k in, in the discord. Like we do, right? Like we do with the others. And I don't know. He, he seems is really a hilarious demeanor probably also easy to talk to and uh yeah i'm not really thinking so much in the see the thing is like because we do play with, with play like reese was gonna bring Hassan white side on one time we didn't get to do it but that was gonna happen at one point so i'm not even thinking of the the pick your brain when it, like the legends i like to pick their brain but for current players i, I think of it a little bit differently because they're actually in the league and they're into a lot of the same stuff that we're into so I wasn't really thinking of it from that perspective. Who would I want to talk to in the NBA today and like pick their brain? Um, maybe a Derrick Rose. Yeah, because I'm still a Derrick Rose guy. I, I supported him throughout his whole career, even if it had even if it had been like tragically uh, taken from. I still and I read his book. I read book, Rose's book as well. And I thought it was really interesting. Seems like a thoughtful, thoughtful person. So I, if there's a player to, like pick their brain and, and talk to. Cause he had like crazy experiences too in his childhood, so yeah, D Rose as well. That's off the dome. I, I did that one off the dome. I didn't write down my answers to that one. Oh yeah, I assume at one point or another I'll probably be talking to plenty of current players. So we'll see if any of that comes to fruition. Um, moving. It's I, I answered that one first because it was closer to the NBA topic we were just talking about. This one was interesting. Somebody asked me, I think this says Merrick, and he said this might be a podcast topic, but what is your opinion on parasocial fans slash interaction slash relationship? Parasocial meaning one-sided. And I'm not sure because he asked me that question, but also Sizz, our, our Twitch mod, 
Uh, he sends me stuff like all the time because he he helps he helps me a lot with Twitch and sometimes he sends me links and stuff and I'm not sure why Parasocial uh, came up there too. It's, it's almost like we mentioned it. So, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. Because I had mentioned that whole thing about like when the dude came in talking out the side of his neck when we were playing Madden, but he was a sub, and I, I had to remind people that like we're not friends. That's why that came up. Yeah. Um. And then I ended up watching the documentary that Sis sent me or the little video. It was from Lu- Ludo, I think. Some big streamer. It's Lude something. I'm sorry. I don't remember his name. You can just type in parasocial and you'll find it. Um, uh, my opinion on it. Well, on um, one-sided. If you're talking about it from just a standpoint of like one-sided relationships where I guess like a fan supports you all the time, but they don't really hear from you. Or the thing you have to realize is you, you got tons of people. Like even me, right? Like there are some times where I've been in the mood, like you know what? I just want to answer every message that I that I come across today. I, I just want to type every. I just want to type something back to everybody. And I I was probably better at responding when I was newer to this because I used to respond like all the time, like every day, all day. I would respond like so much, and I still respond to this day. I I do. I do still answer, but I get significantly more messages now. And a lot of these messages say the same things or they're asking the same things. And so just, I don't know, maybe it's the type of person I am, but you can get tired really quickly of answering the same thing over and over and over again. And so if you'll notice, like a lot of people message me on Snap, I don't really, people who use Snapchat, first of all, I don't even like using Snapchat at all, but some people have messaged me on Snap and realized like I don't even really open them anymore. And it's because like fam, if I open the message and it's asking me for something that I don't want to do or something that I don't want to divulge. Now it looks like I just left you on red and now I look like the dick because I've opened your message and I left it on red. But and you can't read messages from the outside there. Other platforms, you can read a good amount of a message from the outside and you can decide if it's something you can answer now or later. But snap, I got to be all, I got to be like right then and there. Right. And so snap might be like five or six people asking me about tips how to start YouTube. Like I haven't talked about that on you know a crazy amount of podcasts, or like there's not a million different tutorials and sources for that information. But I get it. I get it. I'm a YouTuber that answers fans, and so because I've done it for a while, maybe you want to know a hands-on experience for me. But like, fam, I I had ten people ask me that. I really don't want to have that same conversation twenty times. <laughs> like I don't. I want to have that same conversation twenty times, and I also. Uh, don't have the full answers either because uh, it's a good chance that what I tell you is probably not uh, maybe I can help you a little bit but it's uh, I get it It, it'd be good to hear it'd be good to hear from me I guess but um, yeah it's a good chance that what I'm telling you is probably not gonna help that much really you can find more help and looking at the technical side of setting up channels and like SEO tags. And there's a lot more information you can probably find out there other than me just telling you, like, make the content that you actually want and shit like that. Because that's stuff you'll figure out over time anyway. You know, it, it's like a whole rabbit hole. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, so I do try to answer. I've been told that I answer more than most people because most people say that they, they message YouTubers and they... They had never seen or never heard from. So I've always, because I did do YouTube for a good amount of time or just social media in general, I did it for a good amount of time where like nobody was interacting with anything that I had, like barely anybody was. And so 
I was always able to interact with the people like it was a community back then. Back in like 2014, 2015, when there was only a couple of people, I could always I could always answer like every comment on a video. And so that carried over once like YouTube started getting big. I was I kept answering for a while. And then, of course, fucking trolls and idiots come through and you realize all of a sudden you're just you're reading through a bunch of garbage after a while. And it it just happens that way. But yeah, you try. And I guess like my big the, the big thing for me in terms of this question and my opinion on one-sided relationships is just <clears throat> you do have to have a boundary or a line somewhere because there are some community there are some people in a community that I might I might consider friends there are somewhere it's just like we've had so many interactions or we've talked about different things before and uh, we hit each other up regularly for certain for certain reasons. Maybe I'm helping them with you know whatever they're trying to do on social media or whatever. So there are some where it's like it turns into friends, but most of the time it's not. And it's important to have that boundary so people don't just start talking to you like you're like you're their friends because that happens on social media. People get too comfortable, and then you have to remind people like all of a sudden like hey hold on now like I'm just an entertainer. And you watch me because you find me entertaining. Some people don't find me entertaining, so they don't watch. But you do. And uh, like the like the documentary said, that's a line straight from the documentary. If I wasn't entertaining you, you probably if I wasn't entertaining you, you probably wouldn't bother. And so you just gotta kind of you have to have a boundary somewhere so people don't feel like it's okay to it's okay to just start talking to you any type of way because it is it's the internet and people get mad comfortable. But hey, that's also why like I don't share much about my life either like some social media creators are like completely open about their life and that's why like I don't put a whole lot out there because then that way people never get to that level where they feel like they can like they know too much about me or they know enough about me to say certain shit and it's like you nobody ever will because I just don't share that much I don't believe you need to share every little thing but yeah you know you know people support me and I'm thankful for it and I try to show as much support as I can back but also like a lot of again being an entertainer a lot of the time is spent creating the content so that is kind of my contribution in that relationship because the other thing that happens is like i have a discord and then some people would be like yeah like be more active in the discord i'm like yeah i i pop into my discord every day every every day or at least every other day but like even lately like i pop in at least once every day but it's also like yeah that's a there's a whole chat in there and you can easily get lost. Cause I've done it before. You can easily get lost in a discord chat and be talking for hours. And I'm like, yo, I do enjoy it, but I also have shit I have to do throughout the day. Right. I have shit I have to do throughout the day. So I can't just always be in here talking for hours and I try to be accessible when I can. But again, yeah, you just have to keep certain boundaries, keep certain boundaries. And as long as everybody understands them, which most people do, it turns out. All right. But yeah, y'all, y'all, some, some people do have to realize you probably shouldn't be looking for meaningful relationships with the people that entertain you because you're definitely not the only one looking for that. And there's, depending on the size of the creator, it's probably just not even possible, you know? And so I think creators should do what they can. I think they should do what they can because like cliche statements about the community and oh, yeah, love everybody. And this, you know, those, those blanket statements for everyone. Like, I think you could be a bit more accessible than that. So I've tried to be over the years, but also, yeah, it can only go so far. That's kind of what I think about that. Last question. Cause this was a funny story. I guess I was probably telling one time, um, cornball, <laughs> 
Cornball asked, please explain the story of how a kid cheated against you in a chess game. <laughs> yeah, I think I was tell- talking about that. At some point, I had told that story on Twitch. And when I was in, like, fifth grade, I used to play chess quite a bit. I was a, a, a big chess player. Back then, I could still play a bit. Like, I still low-key might stream that shit one day. I don't know. I guess it's, like, a big stereotype around chess where, I guess, because of, like, the kids that y'all see in y'all chess club and shit like that. And so people think you're, like, a super nerd or something if you like that game. Like, bro, that's a thinking game. Like, chess is a a great, like, brain exercising game. And so, if you've never played it before because of the stereotype, like... Anyways. Um, yeah, so... I, I could probably go on for a while about chess, but when I was in, like, the fifth grade, I used to play in, like, tournaments and shit. And, yeah, the kid basically... I'll never forget it. Like, the kid basically fucking cheated because he had... I'm pretty sure, like, one of the referees... Not referees. I'm sitting here talking about chess like it's sports. Uh, one of the overseers, I guess. The people that watch the games or whatever. The kid I was playing against in the final round, I believe one of them, I swear, was his family member. Whether it was his cousin or his brother or his uncle. It was... I swear to you, it was his... It was related to him. And he was using his knight. We were at the end of the game, and he picked up his knight. But when he picked it up, like, he did it. He moved the piece around kind of like how he he was thinking. Like, he was fidgeting with it. So he took the knight up, and he, like, swirled it around a little bit. And then he put it down and took one of my pieces. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, your knight was here. And he was like, no, it was right here. And then they asked the little overseer guy. He was like, yeah, I saw it. It was right there. And, like, bro, first of all, I, when I tell y'all I was cold as fuck in chess in fifth grade, I got, I got I had the trophies to back it up, fam. I was cold as fuck back then. Still to this day, 15, 16 years later, I know I did not make that simple-ass mistake because the knight in chess is always the piece. That piece is a bitch. <laughs> that's the one that can, can catch you slipping, right? So that's why I make sure, I make for damn sure when I'm playing somebody and I see their knight, I always map out every single move that that piece can make before I do anything. Because if it's like close to my row or whatever, if it's a threat to me, that thing can catch you slipping. I map out every move. And it only moves. It moves two two directions, two spots in either direction, and then up or down. And so, I, I swear, I was just playing my dad the other day, and it, it's a, one move took me forever because I had to make sure that thing didn't catch me. And yeah, I know I mapped this kid's moves out, and I still know for a fact where his knight was. And I know, I know, I know, I know I did not miss a path. That motherfucker picked his piece up, swung it around, put it down. He had his, he had his family rig the election. He had, <laughs> he had his people rig the goddamn game. And uh, I, I got some like cheap uh, second place trophy that I don't even know. I don't even know where it is anymore. I left that shit somewhere, like the Olympics when the, the players didn't want their bronze medals. Yeah, I left that shit somewhere, bro. Fuck that kid. Well, this podcast is over. Uh, we went probably like an hour and a half this week, didn't? And that was without the media, so maybe this would have been long. Uh, and no creator highlight this week, first one of the year. Wow, that's not good. It's not a, that's not a good precedent. Uh, I swear I have one next week, but like this was just a really weird New Year's. Um, like I said, Spotify, iTunes, link in the comment section and description. Follow me on Twitter if you don't, because I realize some people don't follow me on Twitter or other platforms, and that's where you can ask questions for podcasts. I always put them out like the night before, <clears throat> and I feel like I had something important to say. It'll probably come to me after I cut this off right now hit the like button comment and sub if you enjoyed hit the bell next to my name if you want notifications every time a video drops on this channel and i will see you all on the next one this week at macy's get great deals on fashion and home essentials update your wardrobe with 20 percent off new spring shoes and sneakers 
and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.